Hi, I'm Nora, and I love church. The overwhelming story of Jesus is a story of self-sacrificial love for others above myself. So not only is it revealing the church's denial of science, which has been happening for a long time, um, it's also revealing the church's selfishness. And that's actually been the harder thing to see, I think, is just how much um, we don't look like Jesus. Yeah, defund the church, rebuild the kingdom, ain't no doubt. Time to wake up because the church walls shouldn't be there to keep people out. Yeah, let's come together, ready for change. Now is the time. We are one unit that is under God. Let's put it into the racial divide. Uh, I gotta scream it out louder. Let's rebuild the kingdom from the ground up. Bringing unity in the community and keep the Holy Spirit all around us. Yeah, yeah, defund the church. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of Defund the Church. I'm Frank here with Pastor Justin Douglas of the Belong Collective, and we're so excited you could join us uh, on this podcast today. If you haven't already, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, all other major podcast platforms. Please leave us a rating and leave a comment as well. Um, before we get into uh, today's uh, podcast topic, uh, Pastor Justin, just let the listeners know why they should be listening to Defund the Church. Yeah, thanks, Frank. Uh, Defund the Church is just a podcast for conversations that, you know, historically, maybe the church might avoid, or it might be too taboo for the church to have a conversation about it. Uh, but we feel like the church needs to be having these conversations. Obviously, the title Defund the Church is a little bit of um, maybe some might call a polarizing title, get your attention. Um, the purpose of that was we were talking, uh, this podcast began through the concept of uh, racial reconciliation and and um, racial justice and talking about obviously there's a lot of defund platforms out there now and we said you know what does it look like if the church fails to address its history of racism and have the difficult conversations that ultimately lead to healing you know so much healing happens through processing with one another um, grace is best expressed in a transparent place and so we desire that this would be a transparent place for us to just begin a conversation uh, Frank nor I are the last word. Uh, our hope is that we can spark some uh, necessary conversations in your spirit and that ultimately the Holy Spirit can be at work in the church, um, allowing it to grow and flourish in a way that doesn't avoid the necessary conversations, but that has these conversations and grows to look more like Jesus through it. And so uh, that's the heart of this podcast. And thanks for being here. We're really excited that you're with us. So one of the things that has really come into, I want to say vogue, I don't know if that's the right word, but come into view in the Christian community in the last uh, year, certainly since the pandemic uh, came, came into um, this country and, you know, caused a lot, obviously a lot of damage, still causing a lot of damage. But there's the idea that the mask mandate that's been put on by some states and some counties, some, you know, wherever governments, is looked at as a weakness among Christians, whereas some Christians might say you, a mask is not needed. We don't need a distance. We have the spirit of God within us. There's no need, we're protected. Um, there, there, there's a battle um, in the faith community. Not, and, when, and when I speak about this, I'm not just speaking about those people who don't think the virus is real. We're, if you don't believe the virus is real, I don't believe you listen to this podcast because I just don't think you found <laughs> it. But we're speaking more to the idea uh. that there is an understanding that the pandemic is real. 
but there is a disconnect in saying that if I choose to wear a mask and distance and not you know, engage in activities that might be spreading the virus that we've learned about from scientists and um, virologists and things um, that I'm weak by just not having the faith. And so I just want to address that, uh, where that came from and how we should interact and what example we should be setting to the world that doesn't maybe know how to deal with this situation. What, what do you think Christians should be doing as far as the mask uh, mandate and social distancing? Mm. So um, to begin, I, I want to take a hundred foot view of the church prior to the pandemic. And again, I just say this about every time, but I just want to be clear. I'm speaking in generalities when I talk about churches. I'm speaking about the uh, evangelical church, and I'm speaking uh, about uh, broadly the majority of the evangelical church. And I just want to be clear, if your experience in your church is different, that's awesome. I'm not trying to say every single church in every single city is this way. I'm just saying, in large part, American Christians prior to the pandemic had been taught a theology that was at war with science. Uh, we are seeing the fruit of that now in the midst of a pandemic where we actually have to put science into action. Um, we can sit back and theorize about how old the earth is, about how many days it took to create the earth, whether those days, which by the way, is a Hebrew word that means age, does not mean day, it means age. And so for example, um, I could say, uh, using that Hebrew language, for example, it was the age of Abraham Lincoln. Do you think of that as a day or do you think of that as a multitude of years, a period of time? So even written in the Hebrew, the word day does not necessarily mean a 24 hour period. That is a fair way to interpret the scripture. And I'm not saying you're wrong. If you do, I'm just saying, uh, the way we've been at war with different scientific communities as the church and taken very hard stances that deny the potential of even our own scripture being interpreted in a way that would actually confirm science um, has left us, I think, in a place to where we initially choose faith over science. That's not to say we choose Jesus over science. That's not to say we choose um, what, you know, the fruits of the spirit over science, it's to say, we, we, we choose these random, like, I won't do this because I don't care what the, what science says, even when doing that is actually the loving, caring, considerate, um, you know, uh, I don't know any, any one of those things, you know, uh, way of going about it. The way that I think Jesus embodied his life, a, a, a care and a love for others, a self-sacrificial love for others. Oh, I'm a healthy young man. I don't need to wear a mask. Okay, maybe you don't need to, but if you get the virus, let, let's just talk about the science of what masks do. If you have the virus, this particular virus, you may not know it. I could have the virus right now. Um, by not wearing a mask when I go out in public and I don't know I have the virus, I am unknowingly spreading, potentially transmitting that virus to other individuals. Other individuals who may not be as healthy as I am, not to mention this, you know, virus has also, you know, had uh, 
effects on healthy people too. Certainly most healthy people are finding and young people are finding that, you know, uh, the rate of recovery is, is, is fairly good, but there are people who are having complications who are younger as well. So the science of it is that by wearing a mask, I am blocking some of the particles that go into the air that can, that can, you know, transmit this. Is it a burden for me to do that? Well, sure. I don't like wearing a mask. I always get out of my car and walk to the door of the mini Mart or wherever I'm walking into and forget my mask in the car and have to walk back to the car. And I'm frustrated by it when I put it on and I have to wear it because I'm a coach. I coach fitness classes. I have to wear it for an hour and 15 minutes during the class while everyone that I'm coaching is in their squares, socially distanced while wearing masks as well. Um, it's not fun to sweat in a mask. It's not fun to, but it's also something to where I say, the overwhelming story of Jesus is a story of self-sacrificial love for others above myself. So not only is it revealing the church's denial of science, which has been happening for a long time, um, it's also revealing the church's selfishness. And that's actually been the harder thing to see, I think, is just how much um, we don't look like Jesus as we argue about not wanting to wear a mask. So I, I had, I had an experience where a young Christian told me that, um, there was a passage of scripture that they wanted to, uh, that they quoted to me, um, in Psalm Psalms. It was, I, I want to say it was Psalm 91, uh, where it says no plague shall enter my tent. Um, don't quote me on the actual verse and chapter, but, uh, but I want to say that's around where it was. And the, the individual said, I'm just claiming that scripture that no plague shall enter my tent. And so God, God is with me. God is for me and no plague's going to enter my tent. So I'm not going to wear a mask. And, and I, and I encourage that person. I said, well, well, Jesus also said, love your neighbor as yourself. And like, if it's not about a plague entering your tent, fine, but like, don't you think like it could hurt somebody else? Well, I won't get it. So I won't spread it. And this literally this, this particular person's view. Um, I think Luke four is really helpful and I have that pulled up. So I want to read it for us because I think, again, I'm a pastor, so I preach and stuff and I haven't preached a whole lot on this podcast, but I'm, you might hear a little bit of exegetical preaching right now. I apologize if that's not your thing. But here we go. I'm reading from the New International Version, Luke 4. We'll read from the top all the way down here. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus, Now, Jesus has the power to do that correct? Like Jesus could totally do that. But Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone and doesn't turn it into bread. Next, the devil led him up to a high place, showed him in an instant, all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. So now he's tempting him with possessions, wealth, greed. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem 
and had him stand at the highest point of the temple. Now, this is the last temptation, okay? It would seem like Satan has pulled out all the stops. This is his last go-to. This is his biggest hurrah of a temptation that he might be able to get Jesus on. Here's what he says. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here for it is written. He will commit. He quotes scripture to him. Now Satan is quoting scripture to Jesus. He says he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. So Satan has not quoted scripture to Jesus until now. So he's like pulling out all the stops. He's like, throw yourself off here. Your, your angels will take care of you. There's a passage about that. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. I can, but I won't. I can, but I won't. I wonder, and this is, I, I want to be honest. This is a large charge to say this. But I wonder if Satan, in a sense, is testing Christians. Hey, if you're really followers of Jesus, go out without a mask. Why not? And if our response shouldn't be, don't put the Lord your God to the test. Like, don't put the Lord your God to the test. I, I think it's interesting that Satan tries to use their faith against them or use Jesus' faith against him. That's what he's trying to do. And I think the church, this blind faith kind of way of being like, God's got me. I don't need to do anything. What is shocking about it, Frank? This is what's most shocking about it. I believe in nonviolent pacifism and the teaching of Jesus being that. Not everyone does. I, I take that literally. I think it's shocking that the same people who won't wear a mask are carrying guns with them where they go. So God's going to protect you from a virus, but not from someone who has a gun that wants to threaten you. Why? Why, why are you worried about that? God's got you. Oh God's, oh, God's power in your life stops at a virus that's become highly political. And you particularly like in, you know, have an affinity for that party. I, I think it's disingenuous and I'm not saying everyone's disingenuous who doesn't wear a mask. And I also think there's some people who maybe for medical reasons can't wear a mask. And if that's the case that you're in, I also know there's some people that have anxiety issues attached to having something across their face. And I just want to be very clear. Um, if that's your experience, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about people who just deny, deny, deny that there's any validity to this and claim that God's going to protect them. But then that same protection doesn't apply to an intruder in their home to, uh, you know, just the need to ha even have lethal force against another individual. Um, I just don't think it, it makes sense to me. And in light of that passage and many others, by the way, that encourage us to self-sacrificially love, that is the overwhelming, like, tip of the spear that Jesus is trying to get us to, to love others as ourselves, then like we have to consider like, I, I, let me say it this way. Our church met um, for, I want to say like seven outdoor services this year in the summertime where we wore masks outside, where we practice social distancing. And we've been all digital for every other um, gathering since March. I personally cannot um, 
live with the idea that someone could get COVID and die because we gathered as a community. Um, now there, we also don't have a building. So there might be churches that have buildings that can meet and do it well and do it smart and social distance. And, um, you know, uh, if we had that opportunity, we would probably be doing that. But I guess what I'm saying is like, it strikes me that Christians can go about not wearing a mask, interacting with people without social distancing, have just a lack of care and concern for their neighbor who very well, uh, this could be a life and death issue for. It would seem like the party that is pro-life, the group that is pro-life would be trying to champion, you know, these things. I, I, I'm just shocked by it. Honestly, I'm disappointed by it as a pastor. Um, I'm frustrated theologically because I just don't think there's any scripture that you can come to that would, you know, encourage this behavior. Um, so I, I think, I also think though, just wanting to be clear to those people who are the people who won't wear a mask. Um, I don't wear a mask because I'm afraid. Um, I wear a mask because I want to be loved to my neighbor. I do think there's an extreme you can get to with a pandemic where you have an unhealthy fear that is constantly driving every decision. And I want to acknowledge that. And we're not supposed to be people of fear. Although uh, I'm in my basement right now. And uh, in this very basement, we found a snake once. And I'm just going to tell you right now, if a snake comes slithering by my feet right now, I'm going to scream and I'm going to be afraid because uh, I don't like snakes. And, uh, and even though I should not have a spirit of fear, God has not granted me uh, with that particular blessing yet to not be afraid when a snake comes by my feet. So there are certain things in life that it's okay to have a healthy fear of that snake can bite me. Um, a pandemic and this particular thing can kill you. So there is a, a healthy potential fear to have here, not a fear that controls us, um, but a fear that ultimately leads us to say, how do I make the best decision uh, in this? And ultimately, even in those times of fear, how do I love my neighbor? That's my call as a follower of Jesus. So uh, I've spoken a lot, Frank. How, where are you on this? How are you navigating this? I'm sure you know some people who don't like to wear masks or, you know, have, have seen some conflict in this area. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things I'll, you know, again, thank you for just the the perspective of, you know, why, why we should be doing things like the neighbor understanding, you know, going back to the passage of Luke, you know, chapter four, um, about, you know, not temp, not testing the Lord your God. I would start with this. I would say this, I would say that one of the things that, um, we, we have struggled with, with the, the problem is this has been politicized, right? The, the, mm -hmm. Sadly, because when you go there, I don't know these extra but we talk about listening to government officials and listening to those who are in charge, those who have been given knowledge. God has given, I, I, I don't understand how we've arrived in a place where we are at odds with the gift. God, understanding science is an anointing. God has given that to people to understand, study viruses, you know, doing surgeries, right? We don't, we don't question if you go in um, for, you know, say you had a heart attack and doctors like, we got to do this to this until you're, you know, you know, whatever, I'm not a heart cardiologist by any means, but what I'm saying is you don't question him. It's just that in this time where this could be politicized, people are, you know, making up things that don't even make any sense. You would never go to your mechanic and say, hey, like, you need new brakes, you need new rotors, you need pads. And you'd be like, well, can you just 
you know, maybe change one of the pads and I don't want the other, you know, like it, you, you wouldn't try to negotiate with him about, you'd be like, all right, what needs to be done? All right, cool. I got to get it done. Um, yeah. Worst and, case scenario, you'll get a second opinion. And then right. that second opinion confirms it. And you're like fake news. No, it's not fake news. You need new brakes and rotors. <laughs> I, 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 I think the crazy thing about it is this. We also have to be a careful, even if we were, I, 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 I'll use this example. And I've had this conversation with somebody else who was kind of on the other side of the mask thing. I said, even if we were completely, completely immune, even if Christians were completely immune from the virus, if we, if we had the, the, the lamb's blood on our face, just like on the doorposts, you know, of the Passover, right? We were immune. It would be a mistake for us to, to tout our faith and walk around with other people and say, well, I believe in Jesus. I ain't got to wear a mask. Who cares what you think? And that would either, one, make them feel like, well, I, do I need to try to believe in Jesus in a way that's disingenuous to try to be protected from the virus, which, which is definitely not what you want. We don't, we don't, he's not a good luck charm, right? He's not somebody, we, we, we don't parade him around and say, here, we hold him in front of our face. Like, he's protecting me from the virus. I don't have to wear a mask. And we also don't want to turn people off and say, oh, well, they're, you know, like, well, he, who's he think he is? I, I have faith in something. I believe in, you know, Buddhism. I'm not, am I not protected? Like, you don't, we don't need to create and make Jesus wield him as a law against, in, 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 or, or, or a good luck charm or whatever you want to say. We don't need to make him something that's an impediment to those people who would come and find him. It's our time now to go along with it. Even if you don't believe it, wear a mask, right? That's going to make you, it puts you in a position of relationship with people who maybe are afraid, who don't understand. You talk about fear. There are people who are very afraid. People who the only thing they do is refresh the numbers on, on the COVID death count. They're afraid. They're definitely afraid. Well, you should not be that afraid if you're in Christ. However, if you encounter someone who is that way, that's when you can talk to them. Because if you have, if you don't have your mask on, you're not going to be able to have a relationship with them. You're not, they're not, you're not going to be able to talk to them. By not wearing your mask, you just, again, as we talked about in a previous podcast about homosexuals, you've demonized people that you should be in a relationship with. There might be people who are in fear during this pandemic who don't know Christ, who are looking for something to cling to. And all you're thinking about is you want to be inconvenienced by wearing a mask. And they could be looking for you to be the example to say, oh, you know what? Here's, here's why you shouldn't fear. Here's why things are how they are. Here's why Jesus, you know, has put us in this position. Explain why, why you know, what, who, how good he is. And, and, and that that he's put people who are coming with science, explaining to them that the vaccine is not something that is demonic, is not a mark of the beast, right? Which is another oh, wow. show in itself, right? Oh, wow, yeah. Okay. Um, but what I'm saying is we have to have the ability to be in relationship with people. If the, the, there's no way all these things are happening if not for God to move us into a better position to share the gospel. So, and, so real, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go so go, no, go ahead. That's, that, yeah, that's, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just going to say. That's a good stopping point for me. Well, I was just going to say, I know, I know Christians who have tested positive for COVID. So I don't think your uh, Christianity is like a stamp on, uh, <laughs> on not testing positive for COVID. Uh, just like, I don't think your Christianity keeps you from getting the flu every once in a while, not to say the flu and COVID are the same. I, I don't think my Christianity keeps me uh, from, you know, any number of illnesses. That's not to say that healing is not part of the scriptural, um, you know, realities of what Jesus did um, to, to heal people like that. So that's not to say Jesus can't heal you of COVID or any other thing. Like certainly uh, I believe in the supernatural power of Jesus. And so I would not say 
uh, that that's impossible. What I would say is, why would you test that? So what's interesting is the same people who are not worried about getting COVID are the same people who are like, if you put that vaccine in me, it's going to give me cancer. Well, why are you worried about that? God won't let you get cancer. It's just the inconsistency drives me nuts, Frank. I don't, I don't understand. At one point, it's your freedom that's making the decisions that's determining whether or not you get sick. At another point, it's God. So what, what you're pinning on God and what you're pinning on yourself, it's just so inconsistent and it drives me nuts. And when we look at the polls for America, when America was polled in 2019, I want to say 65% of Americans claimed Christianity. Are we really believing that only 35% of this country is getting COVID? Like only the percentage that does not claim Christ is the percentage that's getting this. And then what they'll say is they'll say, well, those aren't true Christians or whatever else they'll say. I don't know. But I guess I'm just saying like, it's hard to even address this because I don't think it's, I I honestly think the church is going to look back at this like five year span, maybe even 10 year span of time and be like, what did we sell ourselves for? Like, I'm sorry, but um, much of this ideology, I think is going to have long lasting consequences on the church because the next, it's always the next generation that's watching their parents, that's watching their leaders not say the thing they need to say in the moment they have the opportunity to say it. Um, Whether they're sitting back and not speaking the truth that needs to be spoken or whether they're actually participating in the the ridiculousness. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. And I I, want to be clear, like, I'm sorry if you're an anti-masker and you're listening to this and you're like, how dare you call me ridiculous? I'm just saying I have yet to hear a good argument for it. I've yet to hear a theologically sound argument for it. Um, And even now, look, there is an argument to be made for it. If you're talking about just, I want my freedom and I don't want my governor determining what I can and can't do. Now we're talking about government and politics and policies. Fine. But you're making it about your faith. You're making it about theology. Now as a pastor, And as a theologian myself, that's where I have a problem. That's where I begin to say, this is not, this is disingenuous because you don't believe that way about guns. You don't believe that way about other things. So I don't know. I mean, I get a little bit of hot under the collar with it just because I feel like, you know, but I would also say most Christians are having a measured response to this. I think sometimes what gets put on the television, what gets put on social media um, are the extremes, you know, for example, I saw a video of a guy in Walmart. <laughs> it was funny to watch this white guy in Walmart or maybe it was Sam's club just laid on the floor because the, 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 the employees said he had to leave cause he wasn't wearing a mask and he refused to leave and laid on the floor in protest. And I'm just like, of all the things to protest, this is the thing you choose to protest. Okay. Here's the deal. I've been in Walmart and other stores many, many times. And the majority of people are wearing masks. The majority of people are following social distance protocols. The majority of Christians, I think, are not adopting poor theology. The hard part is when you see some of our leaders doing it. And those leaders have a measure of influence that it's going to set course. It's going to set vision. It's going to set purpose. It's going to have a a cascading effect into other theologies and ideologies and, um, I don't think it looks much like Jesus if we're not considering our neighbor even above ourselves. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I think it's I think you hit on some some really strong points with the, you know, what is the argument for not protecting your neighbor theologically, mm-hmm. um, and and so I think that's where we need to kind of maybe we'll end it here. Or we could obviously continue to keep going, but just I think that when we're if you're on if you're on this and you're offended, you know, one thing is, you know, this isn't about this is about our witness. So what I'll say is this, if anything, if you talk about people, when Jesus talks about cutting off your, your hand if it offends your brother, poking out your eye, this is kind of that thing. This is your witness. Why are we, why are we ruining our witness for something that's really inconsequential? Again, something temporal for something eternal. This, this pandemic won't be here forever. You know, either it will be gone or you will be gone, right? One or the other, it won't be here forever. Like, I don't believe, but but what I'm saying is, why ruin your witness for something that's really, really not important? You can do whatever you want at your house. Somebody's making, now I would agree if you say, oh, you need to wear a mask at home. I'm not doing that. But yes, yeah, public places, restaurants, that you know, or, or other places, they're trying to protect the workers more than anything, right? You got to think about it too, like maybe you were in a grocery store for 15 minutes, but what about the person that's worked there 15 hours? You know, they're seven to seven shift and everybody's in there with no mask coughing all over them. That's, that's, you don't care about their families. You don't care about them, who they, how they go home, right? Like, this, we're, we're all connected here. And, and, and I think that we, if we would, we would be wise to understand that um, every one person getting affected can affect everybody um, because that can affect a, a group of other people. And so you've seen, we've seen businesses close down this year and stuff because we did not handle the virus properly. Restaurants that we used to go to eat at as a family are no longer there because we didn't manage this and because this is a real thing. And, and I guess what I, the last thing I would say is, you know, this is about love. I, and I don't know how it got turned into, you know, uh, if, if say red versus blue or faith versus non-faith, whatever it is, this is about love. This is about if you can find a way to, to be better and help somebody, you have to do it. Um, and it's a cultural battle that we have to deal with as Americans. Do we, are we, are we put, play in our culture over, over, over the kingdom? That's really what it comes down to because the Asian countries, they've been wearing masks. They always wear masks. And I'm not, and, and the reason why that is because they were used to it because of smog and other issues. I have a cousin who lives in Beijing. And as soon as the coronavirus came out, everybody's wearing masks. It wasn't even a question. Like that's just what they do. They understand that they can protect each other by doing that. We've got to get back to that. We have one nation under God, then we can't say that in you know in one thing, and then on the other hand, be like, "Well, I'll make it. Screw you if you don't." That's not what what Jesus taught. So I just yeah. think that you know we have to embrace that. You know, one more teaching of Jesus. I know this has been a long episode, but I just want to say this because I know I referenced the temptation of Jesus. And maybe you could have a different interpretation of that, but here's one area of Jesus teaching that you can't have a different interpretation of. He tells his followers on the Sermon on the Mount, you might remember this particular portion of the passage. He says, if someone slaps you on your right cheek, turn to him the other cheek, right? Um, And uh, that has a whole interpretation in its time and place, which we can get into another time. But then he also says, if a a soldier asks you to carry um, their, their armor a certain distance, double that distance. Um, so in that day, Rome was the superpower. They knew how to occupy a territory. And they also knew that there were limits of what you could do to a people that might cause a revolt. Does that make sense? They, 
psychologically speaking, they knew how to occupy a land and do it well. And that's why they were as good as they were at, at occupying lands, at, at taking over lands. So they knew that they had to have limits on what their soldiers could ask of civilians to just carry around for them. So their armor is incredibly heavy. I want to say, I, I, I'm doing this off the top of my head. I want to say it was like something like 60 pounds. And they would have, uh, have to walk a certain distance and be like, you know what? I'm going to take my armor off. And hey, you, peasant, come over here. Carry this. Follow me. But they could only make them carry it for a certain amount of distance. And so uh, they would have to then have, have it hand off to somebody else. They could only make them do it for a certain amount. Do you know what Jesus says he wants his, his followers to do? To carry it farther. When the, when the soldier tells you to put it down and we're going to trade it out with someone else, no, I'll carry it more. Now, Jesus is encouraging them to see the humanity. Does that make sense? Like he's, he, he wants the humanity of that individual to be seen as they struggle to carry that weight for however long it is. But Jesus is also speaking to our call. Even if you see wearing a mask as a cross to bear, bear that cross. Like, I don't see it as that. I see it as an opportunity to love my neighbor. But I guess what I'm saying is like, even if you see it as a form of persecution, you're called to do it under the law of Jesus. Like, and that is a higher law than whatever law your governor sets in place. Or You're not doing it because the governor did it. You're doing it because Jesus is saying your number one command is to love beyond yourself, even to the point of self-sacrifice, even to the point to where it would cost you something like your freedom. That's that's central to the gospel. And I think we have to recapture that reality of the message of Jesus. Man, that was really good. I think that's a great place. I mean, we could continue to go back, but I think that last piece uh, was a great way, way to end this. So again, we want to thank everybody for listening. Um, again, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, all other major podcast platforms. Um, go back, listen to other episodes of Defund the Church there. Um, again, we're going to end with just saying, hey, we know that, you know, there was some definitely some potentially divisive, I want to say language, but there, there, there's definitely a divide here on this topic. But I want to say we're approaching this in love and just remember that G, what would Jesus, not what would Jesus do, that sounds cliche, but just more understanding how can we continue to model our witness? How can we continue to model what Jesus would want us to do? Um, and, and I think I think that when you look at that, it'll be much more clear if you're, you know, battling with, you know, how to handle wearing a mask or not wearing a mask during the pandemic. So, uh, again, want to thank all our listeners out there. We couldn't do the show without you. Um, you know, we thank you for just, again, just listening to these these tough topics and understanding that hey, there's not always a, a one-sided answer, but there is a way to approach it in love. So we thank you uh, for listening again. Uh, and again, just continue to subscribe, share the podcast with all your friends. And we'll see you guys very soon on an episode of Defund the Church. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe and iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and other major podcast platforms. And also, don't forget to visit defundthechurch.com where you can find news and information on how to support this movement and rebuild the kingdom. Thank you.